Welcome to the No Bibs, Burps, Bottles podcast, where we highlight and share the stories of African-American women who are 30 plus, child-free, wonderfully made, and living their best life. Remember, womanhood is not synonymous with motherhood. This is Dr. Angela L. Harris, your host. Come join me as we get comfortable and cozy with no bibs, no burps, no bottles. Stay tuned. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of No Bibs, Burps, Bottles. I'm your host and visionary, Dr. Angela L. Harris. Some call me Angela, some call me Dr. Sarai. I always tell people to keep it clean. And I'm the host of this wonderful podcast. And I'm so excited to have Mr. and Mrs. Larry and Trene Hawkins, who are going to be sharing with us their child-free journey, their child-free story, and so many other interesting and surprising nuggets for you guys. And so we're gonna get jump right into things. I'm gonna allow you guys to share a little bit with our audience about where you're from, your background, your careers, and I'd love for each of you to share an interesting or funny fact about yourself. So take it away. Okay. <laughs> Well, my name is Trinae Hawkins. Um, I'm 33 years old. I'm originally from Starkville, Mississippi. Um, and I've been in the healthcare field now for about 12 years. Um, so I started out as a medical assistant and now I am a registered nurse. Um, so I actually just accepted a position for a manager of behavioral health role um, in McKinney, Texas. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> um, so I really have um, a, a true passion for mental health. So I'm excited to get back into that. Um, so an interesting fact about myself, um, I actually love to sing, but I'm extremely shy. Um, so you will probably never catch me <laughs> singing. Um, no one will ever so hear you. <laughs> they will never hear me. <laughs> well, so, what, yeah, do you like, what do you like to sing? Is there, can you sing everything or do you have like a, genre, a specific genre that you like? People will probably be really surprised to hear this, but my favorite things to really sing is opera and country music. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. A woman of many talents. Yes. Well, thank you, Trene, for sharing that. And what about you, Larry? Tell us about you, um, how old you are, of course, where you're from, an interesting fact in your career. So I'm born and raised in Pascagoula, Mississippi, which is a small city. Um, you're going towards Alabama. It's the last city you pass through before you go to Al into Alabama. Um, I graduated from Mississippi State University. I got a degree, and this will count as a fun fact. You'll see why soon. I got a degree in electrical engineering. Um, what I do full-time is I own my own business. I'm a public speaker, author, consultant. I help organizations create purpose-filled work cultures. So I'm helping the individual identify their purpose, understand how they fit into the bigger picture um, with whichever organization they're working with. I've been doing that since 2011, unofficially, 2014, officially. Um, I'm 34 and yeah, I got a degree in electrical engineering and I don't do anything with electrical <laughs> engineering now. Uh, I tell people I went from electrical engineering to people engineering uh, because it's like about that. helping people figure out who they are, what makes them tick and how to become the best version of themselves. Yes, yes, yes. Well, sometimes we make those life transitions and there's plenty of us that got those degrees and something and we're yes. doing something totally different. So yep. that is okay. <laughs> and I'm going to allow you guys to share a little bit more about your business and some other things at the end of our interview. So, so the reason why I'm so excited is because if I'm not mistaken, I believe you guys are my first couple together. I have interviewed um, people who are in relationships or who are married, but you guys are my 
um, first couple. So I want to jump right into things. So I really would like for you to share um, with our audience, like how we got connected, how this formed initially. So we'll start there. Uh, so I, a good friend of mine, she's, I call her my sister, uh, Eve Hudson. I was telling her about, you know, the conversation me and Trinae have been having about potentially, you know, deciding that we're not going to have kids. And then we'd already decided like, yes, we're not doing this. And she said, oh, I know a, a Instagram account of this really dope black woman. She, she, you know, she runs this podcast about, you know, child-free, you know, being black and child-free in America. And uh, I'm going to connect you all. So she connected us through Instagram. I followed you, told Trinae about it. Yeah. We both followed you and then started DMing from there. It's like, oh yeah, no, we haven't actually told our family yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we're in the very early stages and that's kind of how uh, it was just connection as someone was like hey you should know this person yeah yeah the power the power of networking i mean it's so powerful so that is a good segue to and and i thought it was so interesting when when we connect is like so um we haven't shared anything else (laughs) so keep this on the low until we kind of figure this all out so i would like to really kind of um before we jump into like the how and the who like really at what point did you and trinae like as as a couple as a, a married couple decide like how long have you been thinking about this was this even talked about during the courting stage so just talk a little bit about that um so i'll say maybe for the past five to six years maybe um every fall we would have a conversation it was almost like renewing a contract (laughs) we'll say okay you know we kind of maybe want to have kids but not this year we're like all right okay we'll talk again next fall all right okay so (laughs) next august will come all right so still no kids all right cool um but with our experience um with having my sister here and you know experiencing having more responsibility and seeing um just how you know that experience would be with having a child and she's she's not a child she's a grown adult um but just you know being parent parental figures in her life um we just knew that it it wasn't our calling i mean nothing traumatic or anything happened nothing bad happened we just knew that it just wasn't in the cards for us so in this past year it was really uh it was really solidified for us that hey this just isn't for us. So um, we made the decision that, okay, it's time to, yeah. to make it permanent. <laughs> and a bit of context behind how we got there. Uh, so mm-hmm. we've been married for oof, 11, 11 years 11 years. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm 34. She's 33. We got married 11 years ago. We first met going on 13 years ago. In okay. uh, and so whenever we, we first met, we were in the courting stage, you know, we're envisioning what life is like. Okay, yeah, we're going to have kids and have a family. Like there's even a couple poems that I wrote for her <laughs> that it talks about, I can't wait for you to be the mother of my child. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I, I credit my dad for this, he was really big on like, hey, yes, you're getting married young, but enjoy being married first. You know, don't jump right into having kids, get to know each other, learn about each other, learn about your quirks and stuff, you know, because Courting is one thing, living together is another thing. Saying I do is a completely different thing for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, so we, we just focused on, you know, enjoying each other. And so as it kind of carried on, like, yeah, you know, we actually really like each other. We <laughs> like the freedom and flexibility to get up and go when we want mm-hmm. to. Do we really want to have kids? Well, I don't know. And then that's when the renegotiating of the contract every fall came. It was like, okay, we don't want it now, but one day. Mm-hmm. We don't want it now, but one day. We don't want it now. Do we want them? 
really yeah. a process. Like you yes, guys were right. really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. and 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 something that I, I can't speak for you, but for me, um, meeting my friends and getting to know them before they had kids, and then like once they had children and seeing how they had to adjust and their life changed and seeing you know post kids like. I understood my dad always said, you know, kids are a game changer. Your yes. life fundamentally changes. Yes. And so getting a chance to see that up close and watching my friends adjust and evolve and grow. Like I love that they, they have their wonderful family. But as we looked at, you know, what we've been building, to be honest, we're kind of selfish. And yeah. I have no problem saying <laughs> that. I'm like, okay with we're that. <laughs> very selfish and protective of what we've cultivated. Right. And mm. you know, anything that you introduce, whether that's family, friends, pets or kids or you know it doesn't matter any variable is going to change things mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. we've been looking at it from an intentional way of like do we want to fix what's not broken mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i i appreciate that so much and i really um love the the process that y'all went through in like the, the renegotiation and the touching base each year. And so we know that like society and family and friends, they can play a, a big mm -hmm. influence, especially when people get married, right? So dispelling the myth that black folks don't get married. Right. But yeah. once we do, there's this, okay, you're married. Like, let's have those kids, you got right. the house, you got the ring, you need the dog. Yeah. You need the right away. The so thing? how have you guys been able to manage that? Because even though your father seems like he was just like, hey, slow down and take sure. your time, I would imagine that wasn't everybody. So how have you been able to protect that as well as manage that? Honestly, um, for the first year, it kind of got in my head. Um, so it did pressure me a little bit. And that's actually how we kind of ended up with the dog. <laughs> And so I'll, I'll tell a funny story Please about do. that. Please do. Please tell um, me. And this was actually right before we got married, um, but I was already feeling pressure from some of my family. Um, but I just had like this itch. It's like, I just have to have a baby. I have to have a baby. And I kept telling Larry, like, I just, we have to have a baby. And he just kept telling me no. Like he would look at me like I was insane. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, I was. And I just told him one day, I said, well, you either give me a baby or give me a dog. Yeah, yeah. And so that's how we ended up with our dog Wellington. Yeah. <laughs> so we paid yeah. him for 11 years now. We've been married. We got Wellington in February of 2010. Yes. We got married in June 2010. Um, but so initially, of course, initially, um, I was able to seriously think about, you know, the true responsibility that will come with having a kid. Um, but it did take me some time to take a step back and realize like, hey, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to have a child right now. And as far as dealing with family and even some friends, um, I was just able to tell them like, we're just not ready right now. You know, and we're, we're in no rush. Mm -hmm. so that was that was my response. And honestly, I kind of had to practice that because I was getting that that so often like, OK, when the baby's coming, when are you having a when are you having a kid, um, which I feel like honestly, sometimes it can be a little rude for people to constantly ask that. Um, but so I just had to constantly just say, we're just not ready right now. We're not rushing it. So that's mm -hmm. how I do it. Larry, I'm going to ask you that same question. But before you answer, Trené, you talked about this itch of like, you know, I, I just, I have to have a baby. I want a baby. Like, can you, was that the biological clock ticking that people talk about? Or was it the pressure of everyone keeps asking me, so we have to have a baby? Like, what do you think, what was that itch? I feel like it was a, a bit of both because I'm one of the last cousins in my family to have children. So I almost kind of felt like I was left out a bit. Mm. So I mm -hmm. felt like, you know, I was trying to almost fit in. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I felt like I was being pressured, but also kind of like that biological clock was ticking for me, so. Okay, and then Larry, when when Trine was kind of coming to you with, you know, baby or dog, like, (laughs) were you feeling, were you picking up on what she was experiencing? And then did you feel the pressure from her? Like, tell me kind of what you were experiencing when she was presenting that to you. So when she, so... (laughs) Let's see, this was 20, 2009, 2010, that little transition. Yeah. yeah. So we had we weren't even officially married yet. Uh, <laughs> we were still in school. And so she's coming to me saying, I want a baby. And I'm like, no, that's a crazy person talk. Why would you? We have, I haven't even graduated yet. So what are we doing here? Uh, she's like, okay, well, not having a baby. I want a dog. Again, no, because I know that I'm going to take care of it. And so it kept, she kept alternating, give me a baby or give me a dog, give me a baby, give me a dog. And I was, I was adamant, like, no, I, again, I don't want that kind of responsibility. Not yet. Like, yeah, one day we'll have a dog. One day we'll probably have kids, but that day is not today. Mm-hmm. So then when she comes to me and says, give me a baby or give me a dog, as in there is no other alternative <laughs> here. It was like, okay, let's figure out what this dog is. Because I know <laughs> baby is not the question. So like, I was feeling pressured from her, but not in a how do I put this? It wasn't in a direct, the pressure was to me. It mm. felt like more of she wanted a baby because she felt like we needed a baby or she needed a baby. And I knew that where she had to go in life, how far she was going to go, a baby wasn't going to make that impossible, but it was going to make it difficult. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I prided myself from the very beginning of when we got together of like, I am her protector. I am going to protect her from family, friends, herself, whoever it is, <laughs> they got to go through me first. And this happened to be one of those cases where I was protecting her from herself. <laughs> um, but ironically enough, once we got the dog, I did end up having to take care of it for the most part. Because <laughs> uh, we got him the week of my spring break when she was working full time. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I'm up at three o'clock in the morning entertaining him because he wants to play around. And I'm just looking up here at the bed like, you, you did this to me. <laughs> Uh, but and we, dogs we, take okay. a lot. Yeah, dogs take do. a lot of work. I mean, I have yes. a pet, so I just got yes. back from vacation, and I'm like, all right, I gotta board him. I gotta make sure I got money in the bank to pay for this boarding. Yes. Like, it could be, it could be a lot. Now, even with that, like, you know, we know that pets are not kids, right. but they, they, it's a lot of responsibility yes, as well. Is. So, good job on the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you learn about a lot about yourself with just a pet right. of yes. navigating, you know, responsibilities and handing off duties and stuff. I always tell people the thing, but for me, the biggest difference at the time between a pet and a kid was I can put my pet in a cage and no one's going to call child protective services about it. <laughs> so, that's a trade off I was willing to make. Yes, yes, yes. So in regards to, Trinae talked a little bit about what she was experiencing, you know, from family and friends. Larry, did you experience that? I know you said that your father was just like, take your time. But now that you guys are 13 years in, at any point, did that that message shift for him? Um, what about other family members? What about your friends? So it, it never shifted for my dad. Um, my mom, on the other hand, <laughs> um, she was eagerly anticipating grandkids at some point. Um, <laughs> the very first time I brought Trinae home, <laughs> we drive home to, to Pasagoula and Trinae gets out of the car and my mom sees, for context, I'm six foot seven. I'm okay? five, two and a half. She's five, two. She stretches that. You guys back. get a lot of looks. <laughs> yes. So you, you get this. Yes. She gets out of the car and my mom looks at her and says, yay, I'm going to have normal sized grandkids. Not hello, <laughs> not nice to meet you, not you're so beautiful. 
yay, I'm going to have normal size <laughs> grandkids. This was 09, I believe. I believe it was. Yeah, 09. so that gives you 08 a context. 08 or 09. Yeah. So that gives you the context of how my mom was approaching grandkids. Mm -hmm. So then, as the years would pass, she would still ask about it. And be like, you know, no, not yet. We're still, you know, doing stuff. And then at some point, I guess it kind of clicked for her that, hey, they may not be having grandkids. Uh, but I remember one day she was like, yeah, if you're worried about, you know, um, child care and stuff, don't worry. I'm just going to move into one of the spare bedrooms and I'll take care of the baby. <laughs> my dad said, yes, you won't have to pay for child care. You'll have to pay your mama to go away yeah. because she'll never leave. <laughs> that was her 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 view on it. Um, and so like, she wasn't overt with it. Mm -hmm. It was just a casual conversation. Uh, but the rest of my family, it would be, if we're having family get together, just like, oh, okay, so when are those grandkids coming? You know, when's the child coming? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when's my new niece or nephew? Like that kind of thing. And then ironically, this past fall, we had Thanksgiving through Zoom, through Zoom as a yeah. family. And one of my uncles uh, made a comment about, you know, when's Larry the third coming? Because I'm the second, my dad's a senior. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, the entire family just latched onto it like, all the way like even my grandma yes, the whole the whole, whole family, family. <laughs> and the whole time just like i don't know where that imaginary child is but they're not here <laughs> um, and we just kind of just kind of waited out until everybody's like all right on to the next subject yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, and yeah. so Chanae talked about how she managed that so you know with friends who maybe have kids or you know colleagues that have kids how how do you what what is your go-to saying or how do you kind of shut it down? Um, no, we're not having kids yet. Okay, that's yeah, simple. It, yep. it, it's much easier for me as a man because yes. the pressure isn't on me. Because of the way our society works in, in patriarchy, the pressure's on the woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was just like, no, we're not having kids yet. They're like, oh, okay, cool. But if she says, no, we're not having kids, well, why not? What mm -hmm. are you waiting on? They you know, go deeper. Don't worry yeah, about, you know, don't question. wait too long because your eggs yes. and so on and so on. Like, there's just so much more stigma around it. Right. And it, was, it wasn't fair. It's still not fair. And so, like, anytime someone asks us, like, I'm right there next to it, like, oh, we're not having kids. Mm -hmm. You got any yeah. problems like that? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, for me, it, it, there wasn't pressure. It was more of I had my friends and, and the peers saying, you know, don't rush wait to have kids mm -hmm. because they change everything. And it was like an ominous warning. They change everything. Mm -hmm. not, not in the, oh no, they change everything, but it's worth it. It's like, nah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that perspective because I, I agree with you in regards to women, at least, you know, the, you know, the research and the reading and the women that I talk to, it, it's heavy where, a, you know, a man can be child-free until he's 50 or 60 and no one's kind of offering that same pressure. But I do have a question for you. I did interview a man, um, uh, for my last season and he had children but he was giving me his perspective on just dating child-free women and his thoughts about child-free women being what are as far as like homeboys or friends that are that don't have children that are in your age group like what are the thoughts or stereotypes mm -hmm. about men who don't have kids because I know for me and maybe for others it's like you know what's wrong with your insides and what's wrong with you and da da da, -da. and like do men experience that or is it just not even on the radar if being a child-free male. Yeah, if you're a child-free male, it's like, oh, you're living your best life. Like you out here, bachelor, dating women, doing whatever you want to do. Good job, keep it up. There is no, oh, you should probably settle down and, and raise a family at some point. It's mm -hmm. just like, oh, you're, you're doing what's supposed to be done. Not having kids and living to do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. That's, that's mm -hmm. the general stance when it comes to a child-free male. It's like, oh, 
your success story. And a lot of times it's, you know, men, I think in a different way, like, you know, you, you have to put your seed out there. And we already know that, you know, unfortunately there are a lot of seeds out there that are not being taken care of, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And so I, I'm, I'm always, always curious as to the pressures or what is said about a man who decides, you know, cause not all black men have five kids at 21, right? And right. so like what it is for a man to be older and still not have children because maybe he's being selective or maybe that man doesn't want kids himself. So I wanted to just hear your thoughts about that. So thank you. Um, so going back to your your um, kind of this, hey, we have decided this. I know you guys recently kind of confirmed this. So I would love for you to share um, that big reveal <laughs> <laughs> and how it went, what were the reactions, how you guys felt going into it. So we, we told my family first. Yes, we told okay. your family first. So <laughs> the flow of events was once we had a firm date scheduled for my vasectomy, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, we should probably start telling people. And the first person that we told is my sister, because uh, we're three years apart. I'm the oldest of two kids. And so, you know, whenever we told her through Zoom and I opened it up with, hey, I got some news that I'm going to tell our parents about this tomorrow, because it was a Friday. I was talking about my parents on Saturday. I'm telling mom and dad tomorrow, I'm telling you this now, um, because once I revealed this, all of their parental expectations are going to fall onto you. <laughs> and the news is, we're not having kids, I'm getting a vasectomy. And my sister goes, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, we're, we're, we decided we're not having kids. And she was just like, wow, okay, I'm happy for y'all. Like after she got over the initial shock, she was, you know, good to go. But I was like, yeah, no, all their grandkid aspirations now fall onto you. So I feel like I should tell you first mm -hmm. uh, before I tell them. But she was happy for her. She was like, okay, I'm, I'm glad y'all are making a decision that's best for y'all. Well, the very next day, uh, we talked with my parents through Zoom. We, we, we scheduled a Zoom call for this because again, mm -hmm. we're, in, we're in Texas there in Mississippi. Uh, I had wanted to have the conversation in person, but I think that was more so of my apprehension on like how they were gonna respond, mm -hmm. what they were gonna say. For context, my dad's a pastor. He's been a pastor of a church my entire life. Oh, so we grew, yeah, <laughs> we grew up in the Baptist community, both of us. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, okay, there's like innate pressure there of you're supposed to get married and have kids and raise a family. So I wasn't totally sure, even though my dad's been, you know, very vocal about enjoy being married, don't rush, do what's best for y'all. There's still like, yeah, the hypothetical grandkids versus, okay, these grandkids really aren't happening. Mm -hmm. There's a shift there. Um, and so when we told them, my dad was just like, okay. <laughs> and my mom goes, well, we just started to assume that y'all probably weren't having kids at this point. <laughs> so like all this apprehension and angst about how they're gonna respond, just like, oh, so what we already kind of assumed was gonna happen. Um, but then we kind of dug into, all right, they want to know why. Mm -hmm. Want to make sure that we weren't making this deci decision off of, you know, some faulty premise or anything. Mm -hmm. And I, I made sure to, to explain to them that, for one, I'm getting a vasectomy. So if we decide five years from down the road, we want to have kids, I'll get it reversed. But also another reason why I'm getting a vasectomy is because if we decide we're not going to have kids, it's a 30-minute outpatient procedure for me at most. Whereas getting her, her tubes tied or whatever, that's invasive surgery mm -hmm. that changes everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas me, I'm just going to hobble around for like a week or so. And then <laughs> we go back to what we were doing. So it was mm -hmm. a no brainer on like the methodology on how we were going to decide to do this. 
But just kind of talking through, you know, our rationale, how, you know, we've been walking through our journey, what we've decided, what we've experienced, what we experienced, you know, raising her sister who's 20 now, she moved out here when she was 18, mm -hmm. just getting a full parental experience shaped all of that. And so when they heard our why and, and was able to see that, you know, we're making this of sound mind right. and not of okay. something irrational, they're like, okay, well, I've always said, my dad says, I always say, you know, as long as y'all go and do whatever you want to do, as long as I ain't got to pay for it, I'm not going to complain. So if y'all want to move to Alaska, move to Alaska. Mm -hmm. and so they just want to be happy. Yes, they yes. just want us to be happy. So, and I, I, I'm conscious of, I'm lucky, I'm blessed, where I can have this conversation with a pastor of a church who's been a pastor my entire life, and they say, okay, mm -hmm. and not have the conversation go off the rails from there. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I consider myself blessed. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I do have a follow-up question. And Trinae, I'm gonna, I, I'm interested to know um, how your reveal to your family was. But Larry, you talked about the vasectomy. And I was watching, you know, I hate to admit it, but um, you know, sometimes I get pulled into love and hip hop. And <laughs> we all have things with, it was young jock and his fiance at the time. I think they're married, and he was, she does not want children. She was like, yo, you already have like eight or nine children. You need That's to get so. a vasectomy. And I actually posted this on Instagram where he was very adamant, like you know, that's taking away my manhood and, mm. you know, it's, you know, I'm going to be less than a man. And she's just like, but dude, you already have like a whole bunch of kids. So tell me more about like, did you feel like, do you feel less of a man now that you've had a vasectomy? Like what, what were your thoughts about that? So for me, it was logic. I don't, I know that having a kid, if we had a kid, we would be the best parents ever. We have no qualms about that. But we also know having a kid would change our life in a way that we don't necessarily want it to be changed. So for me, it was a no brainer. I don't want my wife to put herself under in any danger that can be avoided. So, hey, yes, get a vasectomy. Do I feel less than a man? No, um, I actually, I feel more so as a, of a man, especially as I've been telling more and more of my peers about, hey, you know, I'm getting a vasectomy. And I've, I've been shocked at the, strong opposition mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. some of my peers have had to the idea of getting a vasectomy. Mm -hmm. and, but their counterparts were like, yeah, no, you should consider doing this. And they're like, no, I'm not doing this. And so when I started to ask them, so, asking, you know, why, it comes down to ego and pride. Mm -hmm. That's it. There is no other rational explanation you can give outside of your ego and your pride of, for some reason, your ability to impregnate a woman makes you feel like a man. Mm -hmm. That means your definition of a man is completely illogical and needs to be revisited. But ego, again, going back to patriarchy and just the bigger system of how we're raised in, your ability to impregnate a woman for a lot of people is like, okay, that means you're a man. Mm -hmm. that's, that's it. And if you don't have that, you're no longer a man. Again, it's irrational. But for me, I feel excited that I can share my perspective with other men there's like, no, this has nothing to do with me being a man. This is about whether we want to create another child or, not, or create a child, I should say. Mm -hmm. And we don't. So. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> it's, it's an easy decision, a no brainer, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Thank but, you for sharing that. And, and I really do appreciate you being so open and transparent because I do think that one, men need to hear this, right? But I also think that couples who are kind of in the same boat that you guys were in is just like, do we, do we not? Who is this really for? And so going to you, Trinae, I would love for you to share how your big reveal went with your family. 
<laughs> um, so honestly, it was fairly easy. Um, I had a bit of apprehension as well, um, but I shared with my uncle. He's been a father figure to me, um, and I shared with my dad as well um, the news of Larry having a vasectomy, and they were both very receptive. Um, my uncle, at first, he thought I was joking. Um, so I was like, no, I'm serious. We're, you know, he's getting a vasectomy. We're not having kids. And he was like, oh, well, that's good. You know, if you guys are deciding this for yourselves and, you know, no one else is going to raise these kids for you or take care of them for you. So, you know, you're making the best decision for you. So, I mean, it was a very short conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and the same, kind of the same thing with my dad. Um, he was just making sure that I was sure that I didn't want to have kids. Um, and he was just making sure that I was okay with it. So, um, it was a very, very good conversation. So, mm -hmm. I'm so delighted to hear, even with the apprehension that it worked out for both of you, yeah. because again, it could be so much harder when people are still trying to convince you to do something different, mm -hmm. right? We want right. grandkids or are you sure about this? Like you guys are right. married. Don't you want to, you know, carry on the last name? And I mean, it the comes from all different yes. places. Yes. So for you guys to stand strong in that, I mean, right hands down, I'm, I'm just so happy that you guys leaned on each other for strength to be able to kind of say, this is where we are. We've made this decision for ourselves. Right. So I want to transition to, um, you know, the workspace and so, or colleagues, you know, a lot of times there's, you know, hey, you guys don't have kids. So Larry, you can work extra. And Shanae, why don't you pick up these hours? Because y'all mm -hmm. don't have kids, you know, all the mommies are stressed. Um, any positive or negative or anything in between experiences of being child-free, a child-free couple or individuals in the workspace? I've got a lot of um, negative or just a lot of negative comments um, about like how I should spend my money or how I spend my money because I'm child-free. Um, like, why do you always change your hair so much? Or, or if you had kids, you wouldn't be doing that. Uh, oh, you always have a different purse. Or I actually had one boss who was very inappropriate. Um, he would always ask, when are you going to give that man a baby? Um, so <laughs> I've had some very interesting experiences. I'm not sure if you well, had to deal with this, but that's some of the few things I've had to experience. And Trine, it's real. Women, women, mm -hmm. I talk to women all the time that experience that and more so like, you don't have any kids to go home. Somebody else, you know, they got to go to pick up their kid from daycare. Right. You take care right. of this. But even the thought of when are you going to give that man a baby as if mm -hmm. it's, as if Larry has no say so in, in this. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, obligation. You said I do and took my last name. Right. So, you have to so give I have to, I have to give you a baby. Yeah. It's insane. It is. What about you, Larry? Any kind of, you know, positive, negative or in, in between experiences from colleagues or your place of employment? Well, um, I told my business partners last night. Yeah, I told my business partners last night that I, I have a, I've had a vasectomy done now at this point. Um, and they were just like, we're happy for you. Like, you're doing what's best for you. That's great. Um, mm -hmm. One of my business partners, he has two kids. Um, he loves his kids. And he was just like, you know, yeah, kids are a lot of work. You know, I love my kids, but I, I'm glad you guys are making a decision that's best for y'all. Um, when I was in corporate America, it wasn't a topic. It, mm -hmm. it, it never was a, oh, do you have kids? Are you going to have kids? It was just like, a, you're a person who has a job. Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. is no extra weight that comes with whether you have a kid or not. It's mm -hmm. almost like, honestly, when I was in working in corporate America, you'd have to pull someone's tooth to get them to talk about them having a kid. 
much less like <laughs> do you have kids like no uh, don't don't talk about those those crumb snatchers are you know and i've heard the phrase crumb snatchers before so it's not a larry original no anyone <laughs> think that i can over that no i heard someone say no those crumb snatchers are at daycare and i was just like oh i am sorry for them mm -hmm. and that's just kind of my stance so like i haven't had any of the pressures or sideways comments about it because mm -hmm. again this is the society it that we live in yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And so, you know, this concept for some of being child free, right, and being empowered to live a child free life, is kind of like, what's the big deal? Like, why are you guys screaming it from the rooftop? And I feel like mothers and other um, demographics do show their pride. So why not us? But as a child free couple, was this something like, did you know what that meant? Or were you just like, we just don't want kids like this whole, you know, some would say a child free movement, you know, you're seeing more people talk about being child-free and proud about that. Um, so was this something that was on your radar or was this concept of this lifestyle just kind of like not even a, on your radar? It was new to me. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of child-free movement, the concept itself was new, but I knew it was very novel and radical. Um, even the fact of once we decided I'm going to get a vasectomy, I knew just the idea of I'm 34, I'm about to get a vasectomy. <laughs> we went to the actual urology clinic when they're to get the procedure done. And uh, I was talking to the guy that gave me a, a Xanax before to relax my nerves. Not that I needed it now, I think about it. <laughs> but I'm talking to the guy and he's asking me you know, my height, my weight and stuff. And he goes, okay, so you're here for a vasectomy? I said, yes. He goes, okay, how many kids do you have? And I was like, none. He's like, so you don't want kids? I was like, no, that's why I'm getting a vasectomy. Like he works in the urology clinic <laughs> and the I, fact that I have zero kids and I'm getting vasectomy blew his mind. And so just kind of confirmation of how radical it is first for us to be child free, but then for me to decide I'm going to get a vasectomy and not her get her tubes tied. Mm -hmm. Like it's a double radical moment. I just didn't realize it was as big as it is now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was kind of my... That that's an awesome story because I do, I have heard that women sometimes, you know, you, you kind of go and get your annual woman exam. And then someone's just like, so like that talk, you know, that clock mm -hmm. is ticking, you're kind of 30, you need to think about this, mm -hmm. you know, and then to have, you know, hear your experience of a man who's just like, you're 34, you have your, you really want to make such a drastic decision. You can have so many more kids. Why would you stop now? <laughs> yeah. Wow. What were, when, the, when that person said that, what was your initial reaction? Like, can you recall like how it made you feel or the thoughts that immediately came to your mind when that was said? I was doing my best not to laugh because for him, it was such a foreign concept. But for me, maybe it's just because I'm so at peace and I'm clear in what I'm doing, it's a no brainer. So I laughed out of shock and also kind of pity that for him to have that kind of response meant how foreign of a concept it is of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. like the fact that I, I'm doing this for myself and for my wife and for us to know what we're, what we're doing so clearly, it's like, this doesn't happen. This is an anomaly, mm -hmm. which makes me sad because that means that for people who may decide they don't want to have kids, they end up having kids out of pressure or they decide they're not going to have a kid. The wife has to get a hysterectomy or a tube tied or whatever. When it, this is such a common thing to me that it shouldn't be such an out of the box, out of the box idea. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. it, was, it was more of laughter out of shock and sadness that he mm -hmm. had that kind of response to something that seemed like common sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And so as a child-free couple, 
um, what are what are your friend groups like? Like, are, are you guys the only child free couple? And, you know, is everyone asking you guys to babysit because you don't have kids? Like, you know, what, what does that look like? Because I know, you know, fam family are going to love us and they'll support us. But sometimes you have the girlfriends who are like, come on, you're so pretty, Trina. You need a little one that looks like you. So, I mean, you know, as a, are you guys the only child free couple in your friend group? We're one of two. Okay, yeah, that. there's yeah. another couple that are um, also child free. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if they're if they're gonna stay that way. Um, mm -hmm. But I have a I have a cousin who oftentimes will try to pressure me and say, "You should have a baby. I want to babysit. You should have. I'll I'll, I'll help you take care of it. You should have a little one. Have a little girl because she has two boys." Um, and I'm like, "No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good on that." Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, our friends don't try to get us to babysit. No, I don't think. Yeah, no. yeah no. And, <laughs> and one of the other child free couples um, is part of the friend group where I was telling them that I'm getting a vasectomy and he was on the I don't want to do this <laughs> side <laughs> of things, whereas his spouse was like, hey, you should do this side of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I know even the fact that we talked about this has already caused ripples in our friend group. But it's like, <laughs> oh, wait, they're doing what? Because honestly, everyone has just been waiting for us to have kids. Yes. Like they just know Larry and Trinae, like they're going to have kids. They're yeah. going to be great parents. So they're just waiting for the announcement. Like anytime that I would text my, my, my friends, my male friends, like, hey, so I got some news. Their first thing is like, all right, so y'all got a kid on the way? I'm like, no, I keep telling y'all that's not a thing that's happening right now. Um, so yeah, it's... No one's like asked us to babysit. They're also kind of waiting to see, all right, well, if they're not going to have kids, what are they going to do now? <laughs> like just life is over. Like just, yeah, right. Yeah, right. It's, it's like, like, so what do you do if you're, if you're not going to have kids? <laughs> what do you, you do with your living life? your best child-free life. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Again, common sense, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, especially as you said it, like when you said it out loud, like people are just waiting right? It's, it's, that's almost kind of freaky. Like people are just like, like, like that's the only thing that's going to make this like marriage. Like that's the, the, the highest point of you're married and you're not really going to be the happiest married couple unless you have a kid. So I would imagine some people are probably still just like, are y'all serious? Like y'all not going to change your mind about this? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and I would imagine some people are probably like, wow. And then some people are probably like, wow, we probably should have made the, that decision too. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. I am not going to confirm or deny that. So I'm just going to let that flow into the ether. Uh, I will say, now that I'm thinking about it, like one place that we did kind of always get pressure is anytime we went home to my home church. Yes. Yeah. Like, so my, yes. my dad and my mom never gave us pressure. My mom sometimes, mm -hmm. but like by and large, they were, but anytime we went home to my home church, which we would go every April, mm -hmm. it was like, all right, when are the babies coming? Yep. When are the babies coming? Every and you're time. hearing this like, 37 different times yes. as you're walking through the church. Yes. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond. Because again, this news isn't like broadcasted yet. <laughs> but once it does become like common knowledge, it's going to be very interesting to just to see how people adjust yeah. how they interact with us. Because mm -hmm. the normal societal conversation, like, okay, when are you getting married? Are you getting married? When are you getting a house? Mm -hmm. Okay, when are you getting a kid? But when it's like, we're not getting a kids, where do people go from there? Right. Exactly. I'm interested to find out because that's going to be. Yes. Yes. And even with the church, that's an interesting, interesting perspective. Cause I've interviewed women where their faith is really strong and they've also had these conversations and it's kind of like, you know, 
well, if a person doesn't bear fruit, you know, like, well, bearing fruit, I would like to think that that was, there were, there were more options than just bearing fruit, meaning having a baby, right? And so it's, I think you guys will be in a very um, good position to be able to share your story and bearing fruit from a spiritual perspective doesn't mean having a baby. It means, you know, there's a lot of fruit that can be born into the world. Yes. So you have something to say about that, Larry? Uh, me and a friend of mine uh, actually had a conversation about this very thing this morning. <laughs> so that is, is not ironically amusing at all. Um, we were talking about the phrase, you know, the, the scripture of, you know, bearing fruit, go forth and multiply. Mm -hmm. And the thing about bearing fruit is we have gifts. We were giving, we were put on this earth with gifts and we can use those gifts to create and bear fruit to give to other people mm -hmm. and to be able to multiply our impact. Yes. So when I was talking with him this morning, I was like, you know, for me, I hear the phrase, you know, bear fruit and multiply. People think that means, okay, have kids, have a bunch of kids to multiply. But personally, like my, one of my gifts is to help people identify what direction they should walk in to find their purpose. Mm -hmm. That's just something that I've been given innately and I've leaned into my entire business is built around this. And for me to be able to have a conversation with someone and leave them in changed to want to go do something differently, think to think about life differently, that's bearing fruit. That's using your gift to bear fruit. And they're going to go forth and who do, who knows what, but all the impact they're now going to make is the multiply. Mm -hmm. Because by them having a conversation with you, they are now changed. They're going to go do amazing things. You're bearing fruit. You're multiplying. It doesn't just mean have kids. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm really so excited. You guys can't like if I can jump through the screen and like hug both of you, hopefully you feel this virtual hug. Um, because I think your your testimony, your story, your narrative, this is what no bibs, burps, bottles is all about. And I'm so honored, you know, for you guys as a married couple to talk about kind of where you were, that that whole process, where you are now and where you will continue to go. Because it it, you know, you guys will be probably sharing this story in this narrative in different pockets and different settings. But Trinae, I have a question for you. And so um, in regards to, you know, being part of a, a union, you know, do you see yourself as a child-free couple represented, um, you know, in the media? And so what, what I mean by, you know, do you see someone like yourself and Larry, you know, in t on TV shows, in print, on radio, the marketing that's pushed out, um, you know, do you see yourself? I honestly don't. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of single mothers um, and I see a lot of families. So a lot of, I, if I do see a lot of um, black married couples, they always have children. Um, so I, I rarely, honestly, I don't remember seeing any black married couples without children. Mm -hmm. Or if I do see them without children, they're expecting. Mm -hmm. I see them. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Larry, thank you, Trinae. Larry, what do you think needs to happen to kind of change that? I know, you know, you guys sharing your story and, and you know, me promoting No Bibs Verse Bottles, you know, we have a little part in changing that. But what else needs to be done to see the representation, not only of women who say, I don't want children and I've made this choice, but couples who have shared that? What, what do you think we need to do more of? Well, I look at media in terms of, typically with media, people are trying to sell something or can advertise something. Mm -hmm. so they're going after the broad population. There needs to be more discussion and more places created to where conversations can be had to where this stigma around not having kids, like if you see a couple without kids, you think something's wrong with them. 
Yes. That's, that's what you think. And so you're not going to see people market to that group because you're marketing to a group that there's something wrong with them. You're marketing to the by and large normal society standards. You need more people being willing to talk about it. Like the mm -hmm. fact that I even told my friend group I'm getting a vasectomy, like sh shocked everybody. But it shouldn't be that big of a shock. It's the same way I look at the conversation of therapy and mental health. Like we all navigate these same things. It's just that some stuff is encouraged to be talked about and some stuff is like shied away and you just find mm -hmm. different ways to talk about it. So it has to be more broadly embraced and mm -hmm. not shunned. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like I, I know now that because we're deciding we're not gonna have kids, Trinae is gonna have to navigate that. Yeah. Like, oh, y'all not having kids? Why? Mm -hmm. What's wrong? Are you okay? Like that's gonna be part of the normal response. And so for me, I've already braced myself that as we have this conversation with people, the moment they stop down that start down that path is like, no, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that's done out of something being wrong or whatever. This is a choice we made out of love and light and excitement. Yes. And reframing it that way has to start happening because otherwise it's gonna always be looked at differently and not in a good way. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to change uh, society, to change people's views because I I totally agree that a lot of times when couples, married couples don't have kids, it's the automatic what is wrong and, and what is suggested is there's some fertility issues, right? right. So like, and then people will start saying like, you know, you can go to a clinic and there are doctors that, and you're like, I don't need all of that, you know? And it's also like, how much do you feel like you even need to explain? Like there are definitely teachable moments um, and educational moments that you guys can have, but you also don't have to explain it, you know, especially when people are just kind of poking, right. crying and trying to really subtly get you to think differently about the decision that you've made. Trinae, are you prepared for that? Because I do feel at times, especially with the women that I've talked to, it's, you know, women will face it a little bit more than men, but how are you preparing yourself for like, what's wrong? Have you gone to the clinic? Have you figured out what's happened? Like, say more about that. I'm prepared in the sense of, I'm kind of prepared for, I guess, myths around um, for reasons for not wanting kids. Like, I guess one thing that I've, I've thought of is that I think that people are going to assume that since I don't want kids is that I don't like kids. Mm. Um, and so mm. I'm kind of prepared for that because I love kids. Um, mm -hmm. And I always have, I've, I've always had great relationships with children. Um, so I'm kind of prepared for that. Um, so if that comes up, I'm, I'm prepared to address that. Um, but as far as addressing, you know, like what's wrong with me, um, I'm prepared to just state, you know, honestly, that's not really any of your business, but I'm willing to share that there is absolutely nothing wrong with me, but I'm just chosen to not have kids. Mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. that's just how I choose to go about it. Um, but really, it just comes down to it's not really anyone's business. But like Larry has said, it's just kind of how society is, you know, they've just gotten so accustomed to just kind of really being all up in women's uteruses at this point. Like, yes. It's just, yes. All, yes. It's just insane. Yes. It's just, people are just all about it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And again, I think you guys definitely have a union where I know for a fact that you guys are going to be able to handle that because you guys, it's not like this just came out of nowhere. There, there was this process yes. of thinking about it and revisiting it every fall and then deciding and then sharing with your family and friends. And so when it's all said and done, you guys have done your due diligence and nobody else matters, but you guys, and you have a six, 
you know, six foot eight husband who's going to say, we're, we're shutting that down. Right. You don't need to ask my wife that question. So I'm so I'm excited. looking forward to it, honestly, because changing people's mindset is literally what I do for a living. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to those opportunities to help people examine their own thoughts of yeah. why you think something has to be wrong. Right. Why do you think there's something that has to be done? Exactly. What, how do you feel about your life? That part. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's address your insecurities. So, yes. Let's yeah. address your yeah. I, I'm personally looking forward to it, but yeah. that's just how the <laughs> brain works. Good, good, good. Eddie. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> so um, how was it, you know, now that you guys have talked a little bit more about it, like what was it that, how did you come to conclude that like, hey, we want to be on this podcast? I mean, of course I asked you and I was just like, I hope they do it because I know you have a good story. But knowing that you guys had all these other things that you had to do before getting to today. So what made you say, okay, we are telling our family, but now we're ready to actually like really kind of share it. This podcast is going to be heard by a lot of people. So how did you guys come to that point? I really want to help just erase um, a lot of the stigma around, you know, people not wanting to have kids. Um, just, I just really want to help get the conversation out there and talk more about it, like the child-free community. Um, and I just want to really make the conversation easier. Um, so that's kind of my reason for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the past few months, I've been on a similar path when it comes to therapy and mental health. Uh, especially with black men in the black community. Like I've been doing podcasts and talking about these kind of things because again, I, I feel like to change people's mindsets to free them of the shackles of what society has been conditioning people to do, you've mm-hmm. got to talk about it. So I knew that what we're, decision that we've made is because we're so young, it's, go, it's so mind blowing. <laughs> like, wait, y'all aren't even 35 yet and you're yes. already making this decision and you're clear in it. So being able to show people there is alternate pathways and it doesn't mean our pathway is any, any better than anybody else's, but mm-hmm. it's a path that we chose. It's a path that can be chosen if it fits for someone's lifestyle. So mm-hmm. having, like Trinae said, like having the conversation, being open and transparent, just sharing is the way that you start changing mindsets, yeah. changing mm-hmm. lives, honestly. And so this seemed like a, a no brainer, honestly. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you shared it with me. Um, and it, it kind of sucks that the age thing is on it because I do think like for women, I don't know. Um, I think, you know, for men, it's, it's definitely different. But 30 for women, it's like you are 30. Either you're going to have a, it's where it all starts. Yep. And so it's disappointing to know that people are not trusting that you're young, but you're mature and you can make sound decisions right. for the best interest of your union. It's like, it's kind of off-putting for someone to say like, you're so young, like you guys don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, you know, you're making a, a very sound decision on right. state on a stable foundation at that. Right. So, because there's a lot of people who are older who would make a different decision. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as we come to a close, I have a few more questions. So if you ran across a young um, couple or even a young woman or a young man, so someone who's maybe 23, 24, who's made the sound decision for themselves, I do not want kids, but they're getting pressure from society, from parents, just pressure. What would you share to either a young, you know, envision a young married couple or a young male or a young female? How would you empower them? 
Honestly, I would keep it short and sweet and just tell them to just, you know, stand firm in what they believe and just be fearless. Short and sweet. Yep. Because when it's all said and done, it's it's up to them. Yeah. What about you, Larry? How would you empower a, a young a young brother, um, a young married couple that don't want kids, but they're getting the pressure? Um, for a young married couple, I would say that there's nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. You are justified in making a decision that's best for the two of you. Um, and at the end of the day, it's just it's you, it's just the two of you. It's the two of you against the world. You've got to be that kind of protective against your marriage. Mm -hmm. And when I say against the world, that means friends, families, your favorite cousins, your siblings. Like it literally at the end of the day, it's the two of you. And so as long as you are making this decision amongst the two of you, you can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. Because even if it takes you down a path that you're not ready for, you're gonna go through that path together. Mm -hmm. And as mm -hmm. long as you go through it together you are going to be okay. For yep. the young brother, I would say, um, I'm proud of you mm -hmm. for being at a place in your life to where you can make that decision. Cause that's not an easy decision to make. Mm -hmm. And you're making that decision despite what all other media people around you are making. So I'm proud of you for having the courage to make that decision. And that same courage is what's going to continue to carry you through as you have to navigate those conversations. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, hey, if you ever need somebody to talk to, here's my number. So. <laughs> I can be a mentor. Yes. <laughs> and the thing is, again, you know, dispelling the myths that, you know, um, having children is not the, the, you know, for some people, it's the end all be all for other people, they're, they're fueled by other things. But again, dispelling the old maid myth, dispelling the myth that, you know, not all black men have babies all over the place. There are some men who can make sound decisions. And so what you both have shared, I think a young person would say, wow, if they did it and they're instilling this in me, I'm making the right decision for myself. So that's a good thing. So now that it's been shared with family and friends, you guys are sharing it on this podcast um any regrets or anything you would do differently about the whole process of where you started and where you are now hmm. probably would have made the decision sooner <laughs> <laughs> you know what i think that's the one i think that is a, so i mean as part of the, the journey that it took for us to get here um we've both been through therapy individually for, yes. uh, you know, dealing with our own childhood stuff and, you know, learning to be more confident and firm with who we are. Mm -hmm. And I think if we had done that earlier, then right. this decision, this decision would have came earlier, right. mm. but there were still a lot of things that we didn't even know about ourselves right. as individuals, much less as couple, mm -hmm. as, a, as a couple, as a unit. So I think that was part of why this decision was so delayed is mm. because we had to peel back a lot more layers about who we are. Mm -hmm before we felt firm in that. Cause like, like Janae said, this is like five, six years yeah. ago when we first had the idea. Yeah. But then it was like, okay, not yet. We're gonna keep, put, keep kicking the can down the road. <laughs> but then once we've reached a point like, no, I know who I am and I know who I am not. And I am confident in who we are. Then the decision was like, oh, what are we waiting for? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. At this point it was like, well, what are we waiting for? Cause like the fall's coming. Are we gonna have the conversation again? Like. The conversation we know the answer now yeah. so like what are we waiting for and it was like that was july 3rd or 4th or so 
we scheduled an appointment on July 9th and then I got him a vasectomy the last Friday. The 23rd. It was yeah. like, boom, 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 yeah. boom, so boom. It was just like, yes. what are we waiting for? Let's do this. And so we've done it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a follow-up question to that. So the conversation that you guys had every fall, now that you are where you are now, um, what was behind it? Was there like any fear or anxiety? Like, okay, I, I really know what the answer is, but I'm not sure what Larry's going to think, or I'm not sure what Trinae is going to think. Like, you had it every fall for a few years, but was it just fear and anxiety about just speaking the truth? I did have some fear um, because I felt like, because he will always say, you know, if, if you want to have children, sure, we'll have children. And I honestly felt like that was such a huge weight for me to carry. And I felt like, <laughs> and I just felt like, okay, well, if I say no, you know, I don't want to have kids. Am I taking something away from him? You know, so I kind of felt um, almost some some guilt, um, you know, with, with that. So I was like, okay, I'll just I'll just say no for this year, and I'll, I'll think about it some more. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I we just kind of kept carrying it over. <laughs> and, and Go ahead. So so that was my messaging in the very beginning. It's like all right, because like I was I knew that I probably don't want to have kids earlier in this process. But I didn't want to say I don't want to have kids, and then she does want to have kids because then now she's like, "Oh, I want kids, but I can't have them now," and that causes a rift. So my my messaging went from you know, if you want to have kids, we can do this. To hey, I don't want kids, but if you want kids, I'll be the best dad ever. Mm -hmm. But I don't want you to feel like you have to do this because of me because I'm already on the. I don't want to do it anymore. So <laughs> once you decide, you let me know. If you decide yes, we're doing this. If you decide no, we're not doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got I clarified my messaging a bit. So I'm glad I clarified that because I did not know I was putting that kind of pressure on you. That wasn't my intent. But it, it really speaks to the power of communication yeah. because oh, yeah. I also know and have spoke to women where that communication is faulty. It's not where it needs to be. There's miscommunication, and then there are feelings hurt because it's like. Right wow, you didn't tell me this. Well, I really wanted a kid, but, and then, you know, people start relationships like I really am in love and I want this to work. So I know I don't want kids, but maybe this will just, it won't, we won't talk about it. And then mm -hmm. it kind of comes up. So I think it's, you guys have demonstrated what it means to have one, a healthy relationship, but being able to really have some communication and to be able to say like, yeah, there was some anxiety. There was some fear about like his response or her response. So for everyone's listening, communication, is a must healthy yes 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 well as we come to a close i know that um you guys you know ha have gone you know from a to, to z and, and maybe even further about your process of you know maybe having the conversation every fall to okay are we going to do this to to now just being like i would imagine it's a, like a relief and, and yes. kind of the weight of the world off your shoulders. But I wanna be able to give you guys an opportunity to share with the audience of all the other great things that you guys are doing. So as I share with all the guests, like shine, 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 this is your opportunity to shine. So I would love for you guys to share what's on the horizon for you guys as a couple, individually, side hustle, businesses, whatever you like to promote in addition to letting our audience know where they can follow you. Well, so as a family, um, we'll be moving soon to the McKinney, Texas area or the Dallas area. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm starting a new job as a manager of behavioral health. Um, so that's kind of 
all that I have going on. So I'll let Larry okay. share all of his. Okay. Names. Congratulations on the job, teacher. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> To be clear here, she severely undersells like, <laughs> how great she is at what she does because, you know, she she's climbed to the mountaintop where she's been a director of nursing, a director of resident care at different facilities. <laughs> then she said, you know what? I'm burnt out. I want to take a break. So then she, she took a break. She was a case manager, um, helping, again, being still staying in the nursing field, um, but doing a lot less pressure. She had <laughs> a better quality of life, a better work-life balance. And so now she's like, okay, I've, you know, I've, I've rebuilt myself. I'm ready again. Okay, where do I want to go? And then she had people like pursuing her like, hey, you want to come work here? And oh, this doesn't work out. Let's go work over here. So like she does a terrible job of, sell, of, of promoting just how awesome she is. That's why I'm here. So first and foremost, my number one responsibility is Trinae Hawkins hype man. So I, I, lead the, I lead the program. I love it. Um, outside of that, like I said, I am an entrepreneur. I own my own business. Hawkins Development Group is, is my, my company is www.hawk, H-A-W-K, D-G, D is in dog, G is in go.com, hawkdg.com. Uh, we, we work with businesses, we work with, we work with academic inst institutions, government institutions. Our whole thing is about helping people find their purpose and figure out what that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Because we each have a purpose, we each have a unique reason for being here. And I, I can say with confidence, the work you're doing now is right in line with, right in line with the purpose that you were meant to do. You were mm -hmm. meant to dispel you know, myths and to remove stigma and to break barriers, honestly, because this is frontier leading work that the idea of child-free movement being a norm as it should be, someone has to do that work. And to be able to do it in the black community, kudos to you. Um, you. <laughs> I also wrote two books, uh, Five Principles to a Purposeful Life. They're available on Amazon. Um, the first book is Five Principles to a Purposeful Life. That tells the story of my personal five principles, motivation, purpose, betterment, contribution, and mastery, and how they've helped me along the way, pitfalls, the way they can benefit people. I wrote the Five Principles to a Purposeful Life Navigation Guide as a workbook to help okay. you customize all the teachings in the book to figure out what that looks like for you. What is your action plan for how you're going to start being in tune with your motivations and you're mm -hmm. being more intentional, your principles, your passions. Again, this work is, is why I exist. Yes. Um, so as far as where you can follow me on social media, um, on Instagram is at Mr. Hawk DG. Uh, on Twitter is at underscore Mr. Hawk. I'm also on LinkedIn, link Larry Hawkins the second, Facebook, website. All Amazon, of that. All of that. Um, yes. this, is, this is what I do. And so I've always told Trinae, something I always loved about Trinae was when we graduate, when I graduated from Mississippi State, my engineering degree, I got a job out here in Austin, Texas. And she agreed to follow me out here. So like she had to basically leaving her family because her family was in Starkville, Mississippi, came out here with me and then started nursing school, going, you know, getting to get her. Now she got an MBA, RN, BSN, MBA. <laughs> she has all the alphabets behind her name. Again, yes. she does a terrible job of upselling herself. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Yes. I, I thanked her for trusting me to come out here. So then I told her, you know, whenever you're ready to get back into you know, the work field, that wherever you want to go, we can go. All I need is internet and access to an airport. Other than that, we go wherever we need to go. And so like, I'm really excited about this move because it's my chance to kind of repay the favor of supporting her dreams as she goes. Because I know this isn't going to be the last stop. This is just stop number <laughs> one as you go wherever we go. But I'm thankful that for what I do, I can do that anywhere. So wherever she yes. wants to go. Yes. I'm so glad to, I just, I can, 
feel, and I'm not like being cheesy. I really, <laughs> I, I literally can feel the love that you guys have and the, the, um, a, you know, adoring each other and respecting each other. And it's, it's just like oozing. <laughs> so I'm like going to take some of what you guys and apply it to me and let the let the world and the universe like manifest that. Yes, yes. yes. Asking, it is given. I literally, literally can feel it. So, so thank you guys, Mr. and Mrs. Larry and Trene Hawkins. Thank you guys for sharing, for being transparent, for being open, for allowing me to um, sit in this space with you guys as you share your testimony and your narrative. I already know that it's going to impact. Um, an individual. I know it's going to impact a couple. And I just say, keep living your best child-free life. To everyone who is listening, thank you so much for following No Bibs, Burps, Bottles, where we empower and celebrate and uplift child-free African-American women. And I'm just so blessed that you guys have shared your story. Continue to follow us on Instagram and please continue to listen to our podcast, No Bibs, Burps, Bottles. And as always, this is a reminder, womanhood is not synonymous with motherhood. Thank you for listening. Peace. You have been listening to the No Bibs, Burps, Bottles podcast, a podcast dedicated to the stories of African-American women without children. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, keep living your best child-free life.